0: Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. It's your host here, Cole Petham. Of course, you can find me on Twitter at TalkAston Villa, but I'm not alone because I'm sure that nobody wants to listen to just me ramble on. I have my two good buddies here. I have James Russian and Danny Raza. We'll go to James first. James, how you doing? It's been a little while. Yeah, all good. Thank you. I,
1: I don't think I've been on here since I started my, my new job. I think we did it shortly after Fulham. Um, I think that aired on the first day. I worked and I passed my driving theory test on that day. So, yeah, it's been a good omen for me, Cole. Uh, yeah, it's been good.
0: Look at you. You're becoming a big boy. So proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, how you doing, buddy?
2: I'm doing well, mate. Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm, uh, I'm sat here in my parents' house today, so back down in Birmingham. So if Villa were playing, I could go and ca- catch a game. But, you know, it's one of those weekends, isn't it? Oh, it doesn't really it's... feel like one.
0: No, it's, it's like, it's almost like, uh, this is the worst comparison I'll ever compare it to, but it's almost like you went out for like three nights in a row, and then now there's just nothing to look forward to. Um, That probably doesn't relate to this, but anyways, whatever. Uh, I digress. Anyways, let's get on to this. Let's have me stop talking absolute rubbish, uh, because Villa did play... On Tuesday, of course, we're recording this on the Sunday, so we're a little far behind, but we'll get you caught up if you somehow lived under a rock for the last few days here. Of course, Aston Villa 2, Watford 1 at Villa Park. A massive win that lifts us out of the relegation zone for now, I must say, because you never know as a Villa fan. That puts us in 16th on 25 points. James, I'll come to you first, my friend. How did you feel about this result? Because this is something where I think a lot of people are saying this could be the turning point. Oh, yeah, because like Filler had to fight for just the draw and that would have been, I guess,
1: in isolation good enough. Having to fight back from, you know, kind of this surprise goal coming in just before half time when you've been dominating the match. Then against all odds, you know, Watford holding the ball back, the, being tactical with the fouls, to say the least. Um, not putting the ball back into play. They're making it frustrating for Villa. They get the, 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 the goal back through Douglas Luiz and then they eventually win with the last kick of the game. It bounces off Tyrone Mings uh, into the net. So, yeah, it's a massive win. Even A draw would have been good. Let's not throw that out the window, but the win is massive. And hopefully, you know, it shows that this there's a Villa team now that don't know when they're beat against Brighton. You know, down and out at time, come back and uh, score a wonder goal through Jack Grealish against Watford you come back through Douglas Louise and it's a wonder goal from Konza and uh, Tyra Ming so you know we fight this Villa team regardless of what happens at the end of the
0: season they're fighting and I think that's something to uh, enjoy oh 100% Danny I'll come to you next how do you feel about this and I think the one thing I want to get from your reaction because I know you can be reactionary I know you'd admit that you'd be the first person to say that <laughs> oh yeah uh, where do you think this leaves us going forward
2: Okay, so first of all, let me just say um, James wrote a be- beautiful match report for this game. I read that and I was really, really impressed. So just bloody, hell, that was so long That feels
1: it. so long ago now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it great, it though, genuinely it? does. Yeah,
1: it's, it's only on bloody Wednesday that I come out, so I wrote that Tuesday night, and it just feels so long ago, Danny.
0: You're just that busy.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, that's it. James has been has been writing up writing up about different transfer targets, you know, um, putting a few out the hat and everything. Um, no, I'm joking. Uh, but you know it was it was it was a good it was a good match report james um and, and i think i think yeah look it was it, what what that kind of exemplified for me was that this seemed like a very romantic victory for villa fans this is one of those victories which is going to be looked back on um and it is just watford and i understand that but it is going to be one of those games where you know how we look back at everton a few a few years ago back in 2008 2009 whenever it was when we sort of you know won it in the last minute um, in stoppage time, is that, that that was a great victory for us. I think this is this is the it's going to be looked at the same way. So yeah, momentum wise, it could be great for us, could be brilliant for us, could launch us. But just you know, just to bring us back down to earth, you know, Villa have had a problem in terms of going behind recently. You know, at the start of the season, Villa were going were going ahead, and um, you know, losing it late on. Whereas now Villa seem to have a problem in terms of going behind early on. So let's let's not forget that it was good that we clawed our way. Back, but this is against Watford. This this still isn't Villa competing against the big teams. And there's a lot of there's a lot of those games left to come. But for now, uh, yeah, it was good to see some fight on the pitch. It's something that I've been hoping to see from the Villa team um, as of yet
0: uh, in 2020. But uh, they're starting to show it for me. I I think one thing I want to pick out from what you said Danny and this is a stat I found last night uh, Villa have won a Premier League game having been behind at halftime for the first time since since September 2013 and can you guess who that was against 2013 Um, Andy Viman oh god um in front of the I believe it was the whole 10 raising his hands no? Okay. Well, time's up. Manchester City. <laughs> <laughs> was uh, it?
2: Was that the yeah, game?
0: Yes, it was. I do believe so. That would end a run of 51 games without a victory when we're trailing. Um, I think that's at the break. So that's a big turning point in in regards to that. And then you look at Watford, and I'm pretty sure... Uh, This was their first loss in eight matches in all competitions, so uh, you you say it's just Watford, but they're on a streak here, they're on a hot streak, and you think, realistically, if we look at like 10 games ahead right now, you'd have to figure they're going to be well and clear of it, you'd think, Uh, but if we get more into the match now, James... What's getting the first goal? Because we all know who who it's going to be. We all predicted it. You might as well just put him in your fantasy league team if when he's playing Villa, because it always seems to happen. Troy Deeney, of course, uh, looping cross from yeah. uh, Dele Alli comes cool. in, easy header, Mings, nobody could even get near him, and uh, he's giving it to the Villa faithful. Uh, so, two questions here, James: How did that make you feel? And was it just an inevitable kind of circumstance? Well, obviously, as a as a Villa fan, it hurts, and you know, as a
1: pride and passionate Villa fan, you know, it hurts to see a Birmingham City player, well, a Birmingham City fan, kind of, you know, use that 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 fandom against a Villa fan, use that that's their support, and you know, knowing they've got one over their rivals, you know, just seeing all of that, it makes you feel bad. But then, you know, I've had to dis- detach myself from these games sometimes. Uh, in my new role because you know I've got to cover a lot of Midlands clubs and it's it'll be unfair to you know do you know just focus on Villa so you know you do yeah. go through this process of detaching yourself but even that isn't enough to kind of take you away from how much that kind of that it was like a, a little stab that was from Troy Deeney um you know how calm he was in that celebration I'd have been going wilder <laughs> you know I'd have been doing a yeah. whole gabby in front of him um, but it, it was kind of reserved from him I, I didn't kind of see what what he fully did but he was kind of doing a face like, oh, that goal was good, wasn't it? You like that? That was it. You like that that was that it. One. Yeah. <laughs> That's spicy. <laughs> and that, that isn't like the worst thing he could have done. I don't think. I think there is this kind of layer of mutual respect. Like, Troy Deeney's come from, you know, in football terms, relatively nothing. Like, he shouldn't be, like, there's a future where, you know, that, that, there's a parallel world where he never even got the chance to play Villa. You know, he's just playing for Warsaw all the time and he's playing in League 2 and League 1 and, you know, jumping it up and down between the championships. So... There is a respect from Villa fans, I think, for the hard worker that Troy Deeney is, but that goes out the window when he scores against you. Um, at the end, you know, Deeney, Deeney, what's a score? I think it's a, it's a, you know, one-person club, uh, Watford when it comes to Villa, Villa, fans' perception of that club. Watford are the Troy Deeney club, and if he scores because he always does against Villa, he's gonna rub it in, so it makes you feel, I guess, more nervous than uh, against other teams because you know it's yeah. Troy Deeney.
2: Do you know yeah. what? I like Troy? De- I like Troy Deeney. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. I'm not. Ooh. I I like him because uh because of him because of him as a player. I think he's a fantastic striker. Um and I think he exemplifies the rivalry in, in in football today. And I think it is there's 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 a real sort of lack of that sometimes. There's a lack of spice. There's a lack of sort of um players getting up for a game. And when you see a player want to score against the club so bad, even if it's our own. I think that's nice to see. It's nice to see that passion. It shows that it's not all about the money, you know. Uh, And, you know, on a a, a Villa level, he goes and scores against us. And then we go and beat his team in in the last minute. And it makes it so much sweeter, doesn't it? It makes it so much sweeter. You've got to remember to, you know, take the yin and the yang with football. Um, It's just that if Troy Deeney played the way that he did against Villa every single game, he'd probably be in the England squad because there was a lot of talent there. Um, he just steps it up
0: against us. Well, there was shouts for him to be in the England squad from a few people, surprisingly. Um, I, I think it's just that grit and determination that brings him, it, like it out of him more than anything. Uh, but James, I'll come back to you. We'll go back to that goal. At that point in time, where do you feel personally it left us?
1: In a bad state. I think at that point, you're looking at a Villa team that are, that are relegated, like, I know the position isn't finalised until the end of the season, obviously, but you're looking at a team that has tried so hard to score, hasn't scored, and the other team have one chance and it goes in, like one chance, one one chance where it's wide open, and they get the look and the, the you know the skill to you know use that look and bury that goal. So it is, it looked bad for us. I mean, we went into that half time, and I've had a you know a message from my friend Pat, and he said, you know, I, that was like the lowest point for me as a Villa fan after everything. That was just like realizing the fight had gone. But then you can't count Villa right. It's halfway through a game. That Villa come right back into it. But after that goal, Cole, it did feel bad. Like it felt like How's it? this team has been fighting all, all game for a goal. The other team hasn't had to do anything and they've got one. And they're a relegation rival right now. So you know, going into halftime after that goal, you feel awful. I mean, there weren't. Ma- I don't think there was many boos. I can't remember because it all kind of got lost in what happened. Um, but I don't think there was many fans actually audibly frustrated. I think there was. It was more so exasperation, thinking. How can your team try so hard and not get anything? And the other team, just one chance,
2: man, and it's in. What? Yeah, but you know what? For the hard, hard workers, that's why they've done so well recently. It's all about the hard work with them. It's all about the running. It's all about the press. Uh, and they know how to do it well without losing their shape. And, you know, at the end of the day, they were doing well. Like, they were doing well against us because um, it was actually before they started. But it was basically before they shut the shop window, wasn't it? It was before they shut the shop window. They, yeah. they were doing everything right. They were doing exactly what they were supposed to and exactly what they've been doing in the last few games. Press the heck out of a team, stay tight, um, and just maintain your shape. Um, but yeah, as you say, James, you know Villa were working hard in that game.
0: Well, it's kind of funny you guys say that because I think this game, more than anything, exemplifies a game of inches like in absolute minimal chances because you look at all the goals they kind of came from absolute nothing really um if we're gonna grade the first half guys i uh, will start with danny what would you give it because honestly i didn't feel like we played that badly
2: no it wasn't bad i mean we were getting into positions and stuff you know that that there, there were points in time where where grealish was delivering balls in and there were enough men in the box and uh it was it, it was a better performance than. Than I had seen recently. I did feel that we lacked the striker El Ghazi again. Just was struggling to stretch that Watford defensive. I think I think Watford played with. Did they play with five at the back? I can't remember. It, it felt like that at times. Um, but yeah, I think I think yeah, first half for me was probably just a bit of a six or a seven. James,
1: uh, I'm gonna go for an alphabetical grade because I think it it defines. Kind of uh, more of what I was thinking, and it was it's along the lines of Danny. You know, we didn't play that bad, but it wasn't good enough. So a C, just a flat out C. And why would you say that? Because I don't think you can hammer Villa for, you know. I guess they conceded the goal in poor circumstances. Tyrone Mings had a, a bit of a go at Esri Conza about that. You know, Troy, Troy Deeney surged into the box and marked. But this is a team that had been working hard for the goal and it just didn't happen for them. Um, so I can't really take too much away from it. Would have been disappointed. Like I said, it's a team that looked relegated. Their heads were down. Um, but that's because they would worked so hard and had it all undone by, you know, one crazy moment. So, yeah, I'd go for a C because I think it's pretty fair for that that first half.
2: What's funny as well, the possession stats were, were higher for Villa in the first half as well. You know, there wasn't actually much difference between the first and the second half. Watford just, I think, it really, really suited us that they scored early on, because it, it, even in the first half, James, I don't know about you, but uh, or you, Cole, but I, it it seemed like they had absolutely zero interest in scoring after that, and that really played well into Villa's hands. It let, let Villa kind of calm down a bit where they usually struggle um, in these situations.
0: Yeah, well, I think they're coming off a... A really tough, hard-fought battle against Spurs. I think that was nil-nil, if I'm correct. And then you're looking at this, they're probably thinking, okay, we have a goal here. Let's see what we can get out of this and hopefully get all three points. And it, it's weird when it comes to Villa, because we'll get in the second half now, because I don't know, it seems like that 45 to 60th minute mark, it's almost like we have to completely start all over again it's like we're starting from minute zero all over again and it seems as soon as the 60th minute hits and it's been like that for the last three games in my opinion at least it's like we turn it on it's absolute desperation point and we just have to see what we can get and of course that comes through douglas louise in the 68th minute i believe if i'm saying that correctly of course a little bit of a a miss opportunity by by el Ghazi, but i'll play it down for you of course uh maddie target hits it in from the left Ben Foster makes a good save to Perry it to the, uh, I guess, his left, um, to the right. Algazi, with what you would say would, a bit of a blooper, completely misses it. Um, and then, of course, you had Douglas Luiz that buries it in, into the top of the net. And I think I'm thinking here, James, holy crap, he almost missed that, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when it fell to two
1: chances, target's first shot was decent. The the parry from the keeper already reacting to where it's going to go and he gets duped by it a bit. But Douglas Luiz, you have to hit it. But there's always that moment of nerve, you know, when that, that clear chance is presented. Because goals... I, when they happen, I guess sometimes you're not expecting it. But in that moment, it's like that is the most clear-cut chance for a goal. It's an open goal. It's fallen to a player, but it has been misses. So I guess the nerves are there. But look, it hits the back of the net. I think the main consideration is you just think, how can VAR take this one away? And it doesn't. I think, you know, um, we've been poisoned a bit by VAR. Um,
2: but that was my concern. Could have been, though, isn't it? Because El Ghazi yeah. actually completely cocks it up. And yeah, uh, exactly. if, if if he doesn't cock that up, that's offside, most likely. Um, at least for, at least from the angle that I've seen. Um, and I think you know you know whilst we're on top, I mean oh, by the way, Douglas Luiz, brilliant coming off the bench, right? Two games in a row, uh, just 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 looking at different player when he's coming off the bench. He might be the Brazilian Conor Hourahan, but um, <laughs> by this point as well, like let's not forget, I don't want to completely take this off topic, but Villa should probably be back, Villa should probably be down to ten men by now as well. So there's a little bit of luck involved here. In the well, sense that, you know, we haven't been screwed by VAR. But yeah. you know, we've we've we we've have we have had the luck and we've we've taken some of that today. And not today against Watford, I mean.
0: That's a good segue because that was the next thing I was gonna bring up, guys. how lucky is Mings to be on the pitch at this point? Because it's pretty close. Like it's marginal and of course if you missed it, um a ball of course was flicked in the air. Ming's hit it with his hand. It's pretty simple as that. I don't know how really people want me to describe that. Um clear handball it it was missed. He's of course on a yellow already, I do believe. So uh, James, do you think you should have walked? Uh, it's tough because look you get that yellow card
1: and it was a that was a obvious yellow card. You get the yellow card. that's a that's a caution, right. That's called a caution, and that's like you do that. you do something again, anything again, you're off. and Mings did do something again. Like he patted the ball down to stop a counter attack, and I think that's just a 50-50 decision there by the ref whether to give him the foul or give him another yellow card. And to be fair to him, I think he got it wrong. I think Ming probably should have walked for that. Yeah, well, it absolutely. didn't look it. It didn't look intentional, though. I know, but whatever you do, man, it's hand. But you've used your hand to stop a counter attack. Is that from, yellow though? I'd say so. I, I think if you were considering a player who weren't booked, you'd give him a yellow.
2: Yeah, but I mean, it's it's he's not he's not pulled his hand out to to get that, has he? I mean, the the ball's bouncing, and you know, uh, who who is it that's that's trying to get past him there? Uh, it's Dulafeo, obviously. Yeah. Like he's he's kicked it right, you know, upwards to sort of middle, uh, middle core area for Tyrone Minks. Yeah,
1: so it's, I think it's that's coming the, that's at a the, quick pace. That's the only thing I think that stands for him. Then is uh the context of it. Rather than following the letter of the law, the context of it probably saved him.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it is just on the halfway line as well. If this is maybe a halfway into Villa's half, that's probably a yellow and a sending off.
1: And I think probably the home fans had some effect because the referee, in general, I think he did us a, he did us a few favors. Let's, let's absolutely get made that like clear. Like the match stayed on a little bit longer because of the time wasted. Then probably the four minutes that was wrongly allowed in the first place, it should have been more like seven or eight um but the referee did us some favours um but lot by and large he did have a bad game because Jack Grealish was getting hammered and hammered and maybe the the home fans kind of giving him so much stick maybe played a small part into that because it always it always does like the fans do affect it so i don't i don't really know you know why he chose not to show the second yellow like, maybe it's the context maybe
2: it's the pressure who knows so we see like so we see we see that happen villa villa you know we could say get, uh, get get off with one then Douglas Louise comes on as a substitute. Um, this is this is something which I found quite interesting. <laughs> actually, last couple of weeks, you know, Dean Smith's had a lot of stick, hasn't he, for for making bad substitution choices and you know not not making changes that that affect the game positively for Villa. But you know what, Douglas Louise was a, was a, was a was a fantastic addition there. Um, just really gave some energy. Probably going to start with a drink water next game. But um, Cole, I'm actually interested in your opinion here. You know, being North American, Vasilev comes on as well in the 76th minute. Do you have any sort of idea that he's gonna come on and score the winner or or how do you rate his performance
0: uh it's it's really tough when you look at these kind of things um super young um hungry that's great to see and of course once again it changes the outlook of the game for the second game in a row and it's it's one thing i'll pass back to you guys in a second here whether he should have started or not but no i thought he was fairly impressive um It's one of those things, you can even look at it with uh, Connolly from Brighton as well, I think I've said this on a previous pod, where they're so young and and they get that goal and then it's like they're literally the next wonder kid. You know know what I mean? It would have been nice for him to grab that winner. Was I hoping? Yes. Was I expecting it? No it's really tough because at one point you want him to do well, but at the same time, you don't want to put so much pressure on these youngsters because I'm mm-hmm. acting like he's like 10 years old. He's not 10 years old. We know that. Um, it, It's a really kind of fine line in that sense. But no, I didn't really see him offering that. I, when I look at him in particular, I feel like he's going to be one that's going to press that back line make them have less time on the ball essentially force them into errors and I think he does that excellently I think that's really probably what Dean Smith is telling them, and you'd hope so at least but James I'll come back to you because I want to get on to Vasilev here quickly should he have started we've said this for a few weeks in a row now it's kind of getting old uh, especially now we have uh, Samata which we'll get on to later um, uh, but should he have started and with that being said to kind of counteract that how did you feel Ghazi played up front? I think Ghazi does the best job he possibly can up front, which is, you know,
1: the basics of just being able to hold the ball up, flick it on, um, pressure the back there. there. But I know Vasilev's a wink, like he's an, a more natural winger, but when he plays centrally, he does have a forward's instincts and he will pressure the back line. I think Ghazi tries to game more often and not wait for the chances and wait for, you know, the, the teammates to come in so they can have some room and passing triangles So, you know, play around with. Um, our guys, he played okay. I think he's, you know, he's done the best with what he can in an unfamiliar role. Um, but um, I do think that probably Vasilev should have started. But then I do understand Dean Smith's probably probable reasoning for the pressure of that game is a lot, right? And I think having an experienced head, having teammates that know each other, is better in that circumstance than chucking on a guy who hasn't had a whole lot of time with this team. You know, if you're what you you've got players who. If you do, on the rare occasion, they do make a chance. You've got players there in Trezeguet, Jack Grealish, and Anwar Gazi who've been scoring goals for us this season to kind of disrupt that, bringing someone who's more natural at striker like Vasilev, who is very inexperienced. You're putting a lot of pressure on his shoulders and I'm sure he can handle it, but mm-hmm. there's more at stake here than his development. There is, you know, if we had, if we had a few more games throughout Wesleyan, was really struggling to get a striker in, absolutely. But look, we got Samata in. Vasilev will be back, you know, as a as a substitute role, and um, there won't be a lot of pressure on him. And now probably is a time where he can develop a bit more.
0: What's the matter, guys? Right? Am I right in saying that? What's the <laughs> matter? <Samata? laughs> <laughs> I said I'm, that I'm last excited. week. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm Danny said I was cringy last week for saying that. But Danny, we'll get to you. Sorry for cutting you off. <laughs> no, that's all
2: right. <laughs> I, I I didn't want to give your joke very much space, man.
0: <laughs> Thanks. How do you feel same question? How do you feel Algazi played? Should a Vasilev start? Where do you stand?
2: Um well, I mean I ideally ideally would have liked to have seen Samata get done in time, but I realised that can't happen always. Uh, I said last week that Vasilev should start. I still feel like he should have started. I mean in hindsight we've won the game in my opinion doesn't matter. But uh yeah, I, I still I still think when you've got a natural striker like that, I know he's young. Um I, I get that. Uh, you've gotta you've gotta give them game time because this is this is when the opportunities are made for them. If not now, if not when we haven't got a striker, when does he start? When does he play? Do you keep calling him young forever until he's nineteen, twenty? You know, Keenan Davis is what, twenty two, twenty three now? Something like that. I might be totally wrong. But uh, you know, it happens. it happens though. You know, you, you don't you when the opportunity is there for them and you haven't got anybody in that role, and I'm sorry, I don't think El Ghazi's been, been playing in that war, in that role too well, um then I think yeah, I think you've got to give them Give them time. Um but I think even, even with Vasilev like, you know, I, I I get what you guys are saying. He's he's very young. You don't want to throw all that pressure on him. Saw so, saw, so, you know, uh, some talk about him today, like, you know, Bulgaria wanting him to declare for them and um whether he should do that for Bulgaria or the USA. It's early days. It's early days. He's barely got any time on his um on the pitch so far. So yeah, I mean we'll we'll just have to wait and see.
0: Well guys, let's get to the big time play here the big matter of the game because uh, I've never fist pumped so hard in my life at work and I work with an Australian lady. I know she's not listening to this so she won't be offended. Um, And she probably thought I was the weirdest person in the world because I kind of scream like a little girl. Um, (laughs) Yes, I was watching this at work. I have that privilege sometimes. But anyways, the 95th minute because we like to leave it late because we're Villa fans and it doesn't like to be done as easy as we hope. Tyrone Mings gets a goal because... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Esri kanza's shot deflects off what was it his heel um if we're gonna play this back Pepe Rana hoofs it up it's a last stitch effort drops down Ming's uh, frantically comes across the box gets taken down uh, kanza with the shot goes off Ming's loops over pass Foster it is two one game set match James how are you feeling about this and are you a little bit gutted for Kanza? <laughs> Ah uh, yeah, but I think
1: he, it's a team game, and you know it would have been nice for Esri Khan to to get his goal. But look, this is what happens if he takes a deflection; he gets awarded to a player. Sometimes there's no going back. So Tyro Mings' goal, uh, as it stands, but it's it's a team game, and uh, Aston Villa needed that win more than anything. So I'm pretty sure that's a, a nice consolation for old Esri. But yeah, man, uh, hell of a goal. I think the second he hit, it, it's just that angle. You're like, you know, it's going in. Like you absolutely know it's going nowhere but in the net. Um the deflection helps it on, I guess. Um we will never know what would have happened to that goal if it wasn't deflected, but it didn't it didn't seem a major deflection. So uh yeah man, it was uh it was insane. The hot end really uh shut off. It wasn't like the limbs like the Everton game, the Everton game was so loud
0: earlier in the season. Uh but man, it was just such a relief. Danny, um what's your uh what's your little pun here because I'm going to call you out for it because I just saw it come up on my screen. No, don't
2: call me out. James said <laughs> consolation. I thought he was making a joke. I thought he oh, said I cons- hear that. consolation. the consolation. <laughs> oh, that's what he, It's good. It's a good headline. Yeah. You can oh, tell wow. he's, you can tell he's into print. You can t- tell he's into print journalism now. Um <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's the that's the title of this podcast, isn't it?
0: we can do that if you want i haven't come up with one but we can do that sure that's yeah, yeah
2: that. there you go man
0: that's, there that's, we go that's
2: cool. um okay listen uh limbs let me just address that first of all i don't think we're ever gonna get limbs like that again uh that's thanks to our new friend var uh because i, I don't james you, you 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 were at the game i think right so like is that is that a factor you know 95th minute winner do you just N- kind of hold no. off to, to, or, or no what, like... not in
1: that one mate it was uh there was just celebration. There wasn't any holding off in that one. That was, was just off? crazy. No, look, it's the type of goal where you really can't see VAR pulling it back. Yeah, it's just you just know. Yeah, I mean, like, if it's a tapping from close range, like the Douglas Luiz one, there is a bit of an you know, anxiety, but you could see how many yeah. players are in front of him. Um, but whereas, you know, Esri Conza's goal, you you don't even see it hit. In, in real life, you don't see it hit Tyrone Mings. You just see it hit the back of the net from yards out. So, man no worries there about VAR at all it was the last thing on my mind so yeah enjoyable for once
2: it was just fun though wasn't it like the the three center backs link up for that which is great right and yeah. you've got you've got pepe reina um you know with 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 a beautiful ball i think what's actually happened there is that ac milan had actually held on to andrea pirlo he's lost his hair he's he's playing in goal uh, that's that's i think that's what's actually happened here um but yeah it was a great ball great ball and uh i think it just goes to show like Hawes, um, Mings and Konza, the three of them recently have been, you know, really gelling together. I know there's been there's been games where it hasn't quite worked, but you you know there's something there. You know there's a sims, you know there's a system there. Hawes has a brilliant game, doesn't score fair enough. Konza gets the assist on Tyrone Mings. Even after the game, Konza said, you know, look, if if that doesn't come off you, Tyrone, I I don't even know if that goes in. If you look at a lot of the post game interviews where, where Konza's kind of like half on the floor and, and half you know, uh, not quite there at all. Um, that's that, that's what you'll hear. But yeah, great winner. Great to see one last minute as well. It, it almost feels like Villa are never the team to do it. Never the team to, to get that last minute winner. And it's just such a sweet feeling. Such a sweet feeling. Indeed.
0: Oh, 100%. We'll move away from the uh, victory at Villa Park, of course. Let's do some transfer news. Me and Danny talked about this last pod, and of course now it's official. We don't have to talk about possibilities. And we said it earlier, and that is Mbuana Samata Samagol um from gank and that's believed to be around a 10 million pound fee uh for the 27 year old tanzanian international so basically he has the whole weight of a country and club on his back now um so i'm sure the villa twitter account is going to be uh boosted with lots of tanzanian twitter followers good for them Uh, james how do you feel about this transfer and what essentially do you think he can offer villa going forward for the rest of the season I think um, it's a different
1: play style now for Aston Villa. For um, Firstly, they've been putting a lot of crosses into the box that have been wasted. I think Masters is good in the air. He wins balls in the air. I think you see the, the classic goal, the one he scored against Liverpool uh, for Genk, um, the airtime he gets, the space he runs into, um, the way he makes use of you know, a cross coming into the box is something we have not seen all season. We haven't had any aerial threat whatsoever. I mean, our only headed goal from Jack Gridge was pulled back. On New Year's Day against Burnley. So, yeah, there, there is a, a dynamic there at like the office, but he's also uh, a player who will run in behind the defences, more like kind of what Scott Hogan was doing at Brentford under Dean Smith, kind of spearheading that line, making sure that he's the sharp focal point of that line rather than being like Wesley or Al and dropping deeper or like Jack Grealish and dropping deeper and bringing players into play with the technical ability. He's a guy who will latch onto ball's race through and uh, bury him first time, no questions. Also good in the air, like I've said. So, yeah, there's a few new dynamics for Villa. They're going to have to maybe approach playing games in a different way. Who knows? We'll see. Um, I'm really excited for him. Um, he's an iconic player before he's even kicked a ball. And regardless of how his uh his Villa career turns out he's going to be an iconic player for Austin Villa because he's the first Tanzanian to play in the Premier League
0: I I honestly I I just you're you're such in uh, journalism mode right now I love it I, it's <laughs> it's just great <laughs> I had to take the, – there's a little pause there, and it's just because I have to take it in. I don't know. I just love it, James. But anyways, Danny, <laughs> let's get on to Samata here. Is it a? Yeah. Would you classify this as a cheap and cheerful signing? It's not very much money in terms of how expensive transfers are now. So kind of what's the risk-reward ratio right now, would you say?
2: Oh, listen, look, There's. there's – I'd say I'd say the there's little to no well I wouldn't say there's no risk whatsoever but I'd say risk reward ratio yeah you're you're, look, you're very much airing on the sides of reward here I I don't understand why um anybody was you know sort of having a go at Villa for not signing a player with Premier League experience if you want Premier League experience what you end up with is um and this is no offence to anybody but what you end up with is a Glenn Murray who's a little bit older and you have to pay a little bit you know more than his Uh, transfer fee for what you've got from with Mbuana Samata here is you've got a player who's in the form of his career you've got a player who's you know very experienced um you know both in in Europe and and internationally um and you've also got a player who's been you know prolific he's been prolific in in a a, a tough league in Belgium where as we've said before a lot of great players have come out from and I'm really excited to see the Tanzanian Lions group join us on Twitter soon um, sooner rather than later i've been i was joking about that in, in the last podcast um won't be long before we see that uh, and and i welcome them on board it's it's great to see the sort of the brand um the brand of Aston Villa expanding like that too uh, but yeah i think it's been a while since we've had a striker who can screen, who can spring caper and hop like that and i think if we can get some balls uh, actually getting um, if we can get somebody actually on the end of these balls and these crosses that Matty Target and Freddie Gilbert have been putting into the box, then absolutely brilliant. I think he fits right into our system.
0: Oh, 100%. Uh, w- let's go with a couple Twitter questions here. They're roughly around the same thing. Uh, Kato Nine essentially asks, if we're going to go for a second striker, James, who do you believe it's going to be?
1: I have no clue. You know, um, I think Christian Benzak is going to be, I-, I feel like, that can't possibly happen because of the the wages you would have to pay him he's like completely overvalued and if you want to transfer that is completely against anything gaston villa want to do that's the one um and i don't see the emotional pull because the only player in this team he's played with is like jack Grealish. so i mean like Grealish runs villa so if if he has not an, uh, any say to it then surely but man i don't know like i don't have any it will come down to deadline I'm absolutely positive it'll probably come down to deadline day because that's when players will be the prices will be cut teams will panic look AC Milan like this peer tech thing AC Milan have tried to hold an, au- hold an auction with this player they wanted everyone to come in for this player no one's come in for him he's not going to go for 30, he's probably not going to go for 30 million this is a play this is a player who will go on deadline day for for less money than AC Milan wanted him for um so you know this striker thing is just it's going to drag on. There's going to be no clear answers. A I, I, link will come out of nowhere, as they always do. And it will be the one. Um, but the spec- there's a lot of speculation. now. have being been linked to every striker. Somata takes a lot of pressure off this transfer team. And uh, hopefully they can do some good business on a deadline day. Because, look, we don't need another permanent
0: signing. We just need someone as support till the end of the season. 100%. And, Danny, we'll switch up the question here. Uh, <laughs> another one comes in. If we're looking at any wingers in this window, do you think that's really a priority right now? And if so, who ideally would you want?
2: Oh God. Well, wingers in terms of who's available, I'm not quite sure. I think, um, you know, you, when, when when you look at it, it's such a key position that you don't tend to have players like um, in that position available, do you? I I don't I don't know who would go for in terms of who we can afford. If I'm being totally honest with you, um, but. I know we've been linked to guys like Ben Rama in the past. I think we've been linked to somebody in France at the moment who kind of plays yeah. an attacking midfielder. What's his name? I can't remember.
0: I think so. Well, while Danny's doing his research, we'll move on and we'll come back to it. But no, I think, I think look, the winger position is, is something we've, we, it's, it's Garassi, Sorry. It
2: is, oh, okay. um, I'd, I'd quite, I'd quite like somebody like that coming in, but I, in, in terms of wingers, we've got so many, we've got hotter, we've got Grealish. Um, We've got Trezeguet, we've got we've got El Ghazi. I don't think it's a priority for Villa. If we can get one in, brilliant. I don't think we've been brilliant from that position. Are we really playing with wingers right now? Not, not I think, comparatively. Um, and I think if we're going to stick with the 5-3-2 system that we've got going at the moment, then, yeah, I think it's, it's not really the priority. I'd rather we get another striker in
0: okay uh we'll do kind of like a one word answer kind of thing we'll start with james if you could sign one player this window realistically who would you want realistically oh that's so tough because i really i really like this um
1: this villa team but i think saeed ben rama um could be a, a game changer but look he's gonna be out, way out of villa's uh, uh price range um it's gonna be something that happens next season i'm sure if uh villa staff but um no, he hasn't had a great season personally as well i think his father passed away uh, earlier this week so he's going to be uh, you know do some time off for that personally um so yeah it's not going to be a brilliant season for him on the pitch off the pitch um so and again he's way out of Villa's price tag, like, so i think it's realistically one that will happen at the end of the season so uh, i don't know i'm going to just uh,
0: bounce out of the way of that question and say sorry ben rama <laughs> <laughs> fair <laughs> enough I have to put you guys on the spot here because I feel like that makes the uh, best content Danny same thing with you who and why uh Slimani man Islam Slamani. I,
2: I, I don't think it's gonna happen but I think he's exactly the kind of striker we need I think he's exactly the kind of striker you need in a relegation battle as well you know somebody who's gonna give the defense trouble I think somebody like him up, the, up there with Samata is another option I think would be I think would be fantastic for us I think we've got a very talented team if I'm being totally honest with you I don't know where else we need to strengthen yes I think I agree with James on Ben Rama somebody like that would be brilliant for Villa can we afford a winger that's going to improve the side right now I'd have to say no I really don't think so Um, unless we were to get like a Pedro in which you know was a um, which was a link recently. But I think at the moment I'd probably say Slimani.
0: That's fair. Um, I, I'm going to be realistic here. Well, I don't know actually how realistic this is. Just bring the man home. He's a legend. And I would just love to see Benteke come back. I know it's probably not going to happen. Maybe it's a little bit unrealistic. Maybe I'm romantic right now. But uh, it would just be nice to see what kind of mentality he comes back with. And maybe if in some ha- some strange universe that almost revitalizes his career
2: you see what Hodgson said about that one though no. he did say he did say I can't believe you're asking me that question when asked about a potential Benteke transfer he said he's one of our best players he's made four starts this season <laughs> yeah
1: so what I've got to say about managers since I've started you know my new role is like they don't like everyone believes every word that comes out of their mouths and I think <laughs> like no one no one ever is 100% honest like at any time so why do we put these people on pedestals and believe every word that comes out of their mouth because what? Hodgson's just trying to raise the value of his player and or if he's being pissy because a player is linked away with a move and like do you just have to trust them at every moment everything they say even though they are they are all contradicting each other and like that's my thing as a fan because like when someone has a press conference like Dean Smith has a press conference and uh, he was asked about Pepe Reina, right? And he goes, I'm not sure about that deal. So people go, oh, he doesn't know it's happening. They're doing it behind his back. And I'm like, how'd <laughs> how you, t- how you take that from that? Like he's yeah, look, just I mean, pushing it away. He's just deflecting the question.
2: It's clear. It's ridiculous to think that Suso isn't chatting with with Dean Smith. Just like Dean Smith walks into training one day and there's Lionel Messi. Oh, hi, mate. How are you doing
1: These players aren't being like hoodwinked. Like Dean Smith isn't being hoodwinked. Like, he's one of the most important people at the club, but the structure of the club is more important than him. So, they're going back to this Hodgson thing. Like, people just believe every word that comes out of these uh these players, mate, right? about these managers' mouth. Mavs. Oh,
0: 100%. Um, we'll start wrapping things up here shortly because we know uh, James is a little short for time. Um, so we'll just get on to uh, a quick preview here of the Leicester game because, of course, that is taking place on Tuesday night at Villa Park. Second, or I should say, yes, yeah, second leg of the semi final in the Carabao Cup. Of course, as things stand, it's 1 all. Um, of course, that result was away. And that's a decent result, of course, against a Leicester side that arguably right now are a little bit topsy turvy. And um, to date, right now, they might be without their main man up front. Jamie Vardy has a bit of a glute issue. Um, so it's probable he might start. It's probable he might not. James, with that being said, how do you feel about going into this game? And if you'd be ever so bold, give me your score prediction. Um,
1: I feel confident because, look, it's a Villa match hold Leicester. Uh, to a 1-1 draw, and one of the more positive performances of the season, I mean, not positive in terms of attacking, but the largely the result was positive, and the performance itself um, was something we could take positives from, um, they held Leicester back, they frustrated Leicester, they did well with the back three, um, Oyen Nyland had a good game, and I'm pretty sure he'll be in contention uh, for uh, the, the Leicester game at Villa Park, but look, it's 1-1 at Villa Park, it's going to be a big crowd under the lights, this is what magic is made of, like we saw against Watford, so big crowd backing them lots of expectation on the villa they usually come through in these circumstances let's not forget you know this is villa's time to shine and uh they come through when that happens so i'm going to go for a 2-1 to
0: the villa oh love that danny same thing but as well i want to know do you think jamie Vardy's going to (laughs) start because i think that's my biggest fear point right now
2: (laughs) gosh i couldn't tell you i couldn't tell you whether or not he was fit but uh even if he wasn't, I don't think this is an issue because Ike Nacho scored seven goals against Villa in five games. He's ridiculous oh, against I Villa. It's story. You talk about Troy Dini, but, you know, Ike is Nacho, <laughs> his, his record against Villa is ridiculous. So, um, Vardy or not, Leicester are going to have some attacking threat. So, the defence for Villa is going to be, uh, it really is going to be key. Really is going to be key because, you know, 1-1 is like basically starting from zero again, isn't it? I think Villa needs to get in there early, needs to get some goals early. I think Leicester don't look as threatening as they have done recently. Um, for whatever reason, they just don't seem to be um, as strong at the moment. They did get that 4-1 win against West Ham, but West Ham have been poor. You know, Make no mistake again, uh, about that. Um, I thought Brentford played well against Leicester on the weekend, but what you will see is Madison probably back in that team, Tielemann probably back in that team, Pereira probably back in that team. But they really struggled to counterattack against Villa for whatever reason. I think it was that back three for Villa that, uh, as James uh, as James said, that back three was uh, was 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 brilliant at stopping Leicester from from doing what they wanted to. Um, Gilbert and Target hopefully, uh, if they if they're starting for Villa, will be will be key. Stop Harvey Barnes and Perez from from playing. Um, you'd like to think. Um, and I also think you know our, our play out wide is going to be key because of Leicester's fullbacks too, Pereira and Chilwell are always going to be attacking. If Villa can, if Villa can get past Pereira and Chilwell, if Villa can take advantage of of, of their own width in this game, um, I, there's no reason why 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 we can't get a result here. Add to that the idea of Samata coming in and potentially scoring his first goal for us. I think that would be wicked.
0: What would your score prediction be, sir?
2: Right, I I usually err on the side of caution, but uh, I want us to do well in this semi-final. I want us to get into the the, uh, League Cup final, so I'm going to say 2-1 Villa as well.
0: That's fair. I, I think it's fair to say, guys, uh, no matter what happens, one of these teams is probably going to be face, uh, facing Manchester City. They're up 3-1 in their tie against United. Uh, so uh, unless United become the United Vold Old somehow, uh, it looks like there's a tough uphill battle. But nonetheless, I think this is a huge moment for Villa season and uh, it'd be nice to get a cup. Before we wrap things up, because I'm a, a silly goof and forgot to ask it before, James, can I get your match ball for the Watford game? Pepe Reina,
1: um, saved Villa late on. Um, excellent passing ability. Um, it's a different dimension, that goalkeeper, but still has the quality of Tom Heaton. Um, very comfortable on his feet, barely wants to pick the ball up. Um, he propelled Villa to victory with that uh, last free kick as, as well. Um, stepping high up, but yeah, he really wants Villa to win. He's not going to sit back and uh, let it happen, uh, let anything else happen just because he's a goalkeeper. He's going to get up there and give it some. So yeah, Pepe Reina. That triple save as
0: well. Yes, Oh, whew. kept us right in it. Oh, hundred percent, Danny. How about yours?
2: Um, I'm gonna go with God. This is really, really hard, really difficult. I was gonna go with Rayner as well, but uh, I'll go with, I'll go with Ezri Konsa. I'll go with Ezri Konsa. I think, I think the defense did a good job, especially after, um, and after the goal went in. Uh, it was, it was great to see him mings and and Hawes all in the box so late on i thought they 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 exemplified the fight i thought all the center backs were were quality during that game um i think there's also a shout for matty target as well because his crosses i think were um maybe underappreciated by the fact that villa didn't have a, a proper striker up there uh but i'm gonna go with Ezri Konza. he didn't get the goal but he gets my match ball
0: Oh, that's fair enough. Uh, You know what? I'm going to have to give it to Conze as well. I thought he played a very tight, impressive game. Uh, Feel a little bit bad for the guy, but nonetheless, I'll give it to him there. Uh, One more thing, guys. Sorry to keep you any longer before we go, and I thought this was a good Twitter question to wrap it up. Uh, James, we'll come to you first. How many points do you guys uh, essentially think it'll take to avoid relegation, and how many points do you think we'll get? Ooh. I
1: think you have to kind of look at 40. I know it's not been that for a, a, a long while, but the way this season's heading, it looks like teams are going to be on pace for 40 points. Um, that said, I think 38 will keep Filler up and I think they'll get 39. Ooh, Danny?
2: Yeah, if you're looking at 38, then you're probably looking at about, I think, 13 points or so. That's, you know, still four more wins, really. Um, got about 12 games left. Can Villa win a third of their games? Can they pick up points along the way? Yeah, I think I think Villa end up on about 38-39 as well. I agree with that. Um I think it's gonna be tight. It's gonna be very tight. Uh just because for what like, I, I I look at Villa some games and I think there is no chance this team stays up looking at how bad we are, right? At at times. At times. But then you watch a West Ham game, and you watch a Bournemouth game, and you watch a Brighton game, and you know, these teams as well as well as Villa are so so inconsistent uh so I think I think 37 38 is probably going to keep you up just about um I don't I I think there's going to be a point in the season for a couple of these teams where they where they give up and they run out of steam um I think Watford will run out of steam eventually they can't run as much as they have been all for the last few games then Villa could always do a pull away job like Burnley have been doing recently. It's just a couple of it's like this is the funny thing. It's just a couple of wins and you and you all of a sudden look look like daylight away from from the relegation zone, don't you? Like that's that's what's crazy. Yeah, it's two. You get two wins now. You get two wins in a row and you only need a couple more wins to, to get 38 points. It's it's, it's crazy
0: yeah like i mean this this result like well we'll we'll preview the bournemouth game later of course that'll come out later in the week in the new format so hope you guys enjoy that and thank you very much northeast lines for the question personally myself um i think you'd need around 37 points and i'm gonna say we get 40 i'll be bold um a nice even amount i think that's good to say but anyways thank you james thank you danny for joining me of course it's greatly appreciated we'll wrap it up there This has been another edition of the 7500 to Holt Holtcast. It's your host here, Cole Talkcast Villa on Twitter. You can, of course, find Danny on Twitter at RazaGerno. You can find James on Twitter at Jamo Russian. And, of course, all together, you can find us at www.7500toHolt.com. And, of course, don't forget the Villa.